For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars, your local Colorado Rockies podcast brought to you by Mile High Sports. My name is Sean Drotar. With me today, Casey Light, and our podcast brought to you, as always, by Tap 14. Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, just a couple steps away from the Coors Field home plate entrance. Be baseball season sooner than you know, and even while the winter rolls around, it's still the place for you to go. The rooftop beer garden is open all year round, heated, the 70 Colorado draft beers, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, and terrific rotating seasonal menu are there for you 12 months a year, all year round, summer, winter, you've got it. Tap 14 is your place to go. Check them out at tap14.com. Spell it out, tap14.com. With me, as I mentioned, Casey Light. Casey, you have, have you've pitched in your life. You pitched back in college. And we've watched the Colorado Rockies try to struggle with pitching forever. It, it seemed like last year they were getting some traction in their bullpen. And now, as we record this in December, the Colorado Rockies have signed Brian Shaw away from the Indians. And then they have re-signed Jake McGee, giving them a pretty impressive righty-lefty tandem and setup if they don't get another closer, though. Uh, do you feel comfortable with that? Well, that was the big concern coming out of 2017, is if you look at the four guys who really contributed the most in that bullpen, which was a big surprise. And Bud Black was speaking at winter meetings on Monday. Uh, he talked about, you know, meeting and exceeding expectations for this club. And, you know, he, he felt like he really met expectations uh, offensively for what this club did. I mean, you always expect offense coming out of the Colorado Rockies, especially playing half their games at Coors Field. But he felt like the club really exceeded expectations, both on the starting pitching side uh, with those rookie starters that we saw so many great things from that we can really look forward to in the years to come, but also on the back end of that bullpen. And if you look at that bullpen in 2017 that helped lead them to their first playoff appearance since 2009, it was four guys, in my opinion, that really buoyed that bullpen. It was Chris Russin who kind of served that flex role, the long relief, the do-anything jack-of-all-trades guy. It was Greg Holland who obviously went on to tie a franchise record in saves with 41 and win NL Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, just a phenomenal year from Greg Holland who's uh, out there as a free agent. It was Jake McGee who really took a big step forward from what we saw from him in 2016 to compared to 2017, who was also a free agent. And you mentioned, you know, obviously he's coming back. And then Pat Neshek, who they signed at the trade deadline, who really buoyed the, the back end and really shored things up. He went ahead and signed with Philadelphia. So three of those four guys were free agents with Russin being the only one that was locked up under team control. And the concern was, what are they going to do with those other three? Well, we've just found out this morning that Jake McGee is coming back. I really like that move. Obviously, we know that uh, Pat Neshek has moved on to the Phillies, going back to a place where he started uh, last season and came over midseason. Uh, obviously, he loves it there, has family and home there. Uh, so that wasn't too big of a surprise. Uh, that question mark, though, remains, what are they doing at the back end? Obviously, you know, the, the replacement for Brian Shaw with Neshek, to me, is a, a big step up. I agree. That's I, I a think, big upgrade. I think that is a huge upgrade, and we'll go into more details about Shaw here momentarily. Uh, but the big question is, are they going to make another splashy move, try and re-sign Holland again, which we know his price tag is going to be very high, 
or do they or do they go after a guy like Wade Davis who is out there and available but also going to come at a high price tag? Or do they think between Shaw and McGee, one of those two might be their closer? That's the still to be determined for Jeff Bradich's master plan heading into 2018. Jake McGee, of course, you closed a little bit for the Rockies. It didn't work out. He was really better as a setup guy here in Colorado. He was a very effective closer in Tampa Bay previously. And in Shaw's case, really has never been a closer. Had three saves last year. Obviously, he can do it in a pinch, but he's never really had that role. To, to my mind, when I looked at the Chris Iannetta signing, and mm-hmm. some of that also ties in, and the money spent on Iannetta tells me that the priority may very well be in, in the back end of the bullpen. 100%. We heard about Davis coming in. We heard about guys like Brandon Kinsler. We heard about uh, other other relievers they might get into. And they still have been having consistent con- uh, conversations with Greg Holland. That's not closed. That door is not closed yet. But we didn't know anything about Brian Shaw until they just signed him. Yeah, there were were reports that they were discussing just all of a sudden, bam. So that tells me that it is a priority, and and I think they are going to try to go get a a closer, someone that will actually give them that kind of of back end that you saw with the the Indians, with Brian Shaw being part of it, with Mm -hmm. Andrew Miller and with Cody Allen, and then what you saw with the Royals the year before that, with Wade Davis, with... Greg Holland yep. at one point, too. So uh, I think that's what they're trying to build, and I think it makes sense because when you look at the teams that have been successful that are not big-budget type of teams where it's not the Yankees or the Dodgers that can spend money left and right on position players, that's been the best way to do it, shorten the game. And we've seen this successful in markets like Kansas City and, and Cleveland, which are pretty similar in really all respects to Colorado. Yeah, the thing that's... Interesting to me also when you look at the makeup of the Rockies bullpen is that there's two what I would call wild card pitchers in there uh, and and those being Mike Dunn and Scott Oberg uh, from respective sides. Um, They relied very heavily on Oberg last year. Now a lot of times that was in uh, kind of question mark situations. It was the game seemed like it was starting to slide a little bit out of control. So let's see if Scott Oberg can keep us within you know within striking distance for this very potent offense. Um, he is still under team control for for a stretch, but what we saw, what I liked about Oberg down the stretch was he got better as the year went on. So many times with Rockies relievers, we see them tend to unravel as the year goes on. Um, and the same with Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn in his first year in Colorado was very up and down. He, early on in the season, he, he kind of worked himself out of a seventh or eighth inning role, which is really, I think, what the Rockies wanted to see him embrace. Um, and he proved that he wasn't that guy, at least early on in the season, but he did have some very quality outings and get some important outs for them late in the year. Ken Oberg, who is still very, very young, let's not forget, I mean, Scott Oberg is, he's 27 years old, but he hasn't spent a lot of time on the Major League roster. Can he mature and take a step forward to give them a few other options there? And can Mike Dunn really kind of return to the form that they signed him under uh, and that we saw in spurts from him over the course of the last uh, season? So I think those two, to me, really make this a very interesting bullpen. Um, And that's not even to mention guys like Carlos Estevez, who's still floating out there, Jairo Diaz, who's coming back from an arm injury, uh, you know, big, two big power arms that they would like to see contribute. Uh, but clearly Jeff Breidich isn't resting on any of those four names with this move to go out and grab Brian Shaw. Uh, the thing that I love about Shaw, um, and this has been my concern with Greg Holland, and you and I have, have had this conversation offline several times, uh, but my big concern with Holland was they really worked him hard. I mean, they rode him very, very heavily during the first part of the season. We're talking this first time back after having Tommy, Tommy John, John surgery. Exactly. And, and the, the, the scary part about Holland is that he relies so heavily on that slider. Now, when that slider is on, it is one of the 
great, great pitches in the game. Uh, but we also saw that when it is off or when he is struggling with command or control of it's that a frisbee, yeah, that that it becomes an issue in terms of you know the the walk totals were much much higher than I think anybody felt comfortable with. He was giving up heavy contact a lot of times, and one of the things that's so encouraging about bringing in Shaw is that he is a cutter pitcher predominantly he he throws his cutter almost 88 percent of the time he's coming in with the heat uh he's he has a slider that he can complement it with last year he all but eliminated his changeup from his repertoire and I've always felt that power pitchers at Coors Field guys that don't rely so heavily on those breaking pitches are going to have a longer shelf life if you look at Adam Ottavino who is also still in the mix uh, we've seen obviously just the the huge ups and downs that Adam Ottavino has had in his career and so I like the Shaw signing simply for that fact it's another reason why they brought McGee back. Those two are very, very similar pitchers in the left and right combination in that they're throwing one pitch and daring you to hit it. Yeah, in Oberg's case, you talked about him. He was really a situational guy, still averaging less than an inning per outing. Even those 66 appearances, uh, Dunn was the guy that had the heaviest load, 68 appearances last season. And I think he can get back to that because we're not talking about a young guy. We're talking about a guy that's had a pretty consistent track record. The, the strikeout ratio is still good. It's not like he lost any of his stuff. There might have been an adjustment in pitching in Coors Field because you pointed out if you have really any reliance on a, on a movement pitch, it's going to be not nearly as effective, and that's going to change the way you approach and even some confidence. So I feel good about Dunn, especially if they're moving into a seventh-inning role specifically and then picking the setup guy they want to ostensibly go to whoever they end up closing. The other part of the bullpen that I find very fascinating is we look at the starting rotation, and we think of all the young guys in the starting rotation. Well, if Chad Bettis returns fully to health and can perform well, if Tyler Anderson does that as well, we're looking at some of these guys that were in the rotation for a lot of the year that don't have a spot now. So... Could uh, Antonio Senzatella move to the pen? A guy that brings him uh, a bunch Where of variety of pitches. Where he spent half of last season, right. let's not forget. Exactly. They, they, rushed, they moved him up there. Could someone, as, as strange as it sounds, as good as he performed as a, uh, as a starter, could someone like Herman Marquez, who has enormously powerful fastball, a guy that would profile really as an outstanding closer down the road, might they look at that? May they be more comfortable and say, you know what, we kind of got lucky because he's got great stuff, but maybe we should maybe put him into the pen. But... What I'm seeing from the Rockies' movement here, and it, it starts from last year, adding Dunn, trading for Neshek, getting Holland, even though gambling off the injury, is Jeff Bright seems to be pursuing veteran guys at the back end of the lineup. He does want experience. Absolutely. And that leads me to believe that he probably is going to be in on another closer, and maybe that means the other spots the Rockies deal with, catcher, where they signed Chris Iannetta, Get the impression that closed the door on Jonathan Lucroy. We always knew that was a risk when they traded for him as an impending free agent. I think they, they liked Lucroy. I think Lucroy did a good job. I think Lucroy would be interested at the right number, but there are going to be a lot of teams, including the defending champion Astros, who are pursuing him pretty hard, and that's going to be a pretty enticing thing too. But adding Ionetta at a reasonable salary and then maybe splitting time with Tony Walters, what they tried to do last year, that may be the answer at catcher for this season. That may save enough money for them to go ahead and pony up for one of these closers and get them because it's not like the first baseman, which we'll get to in a little bit. There are actually a lot of good closing options on the market. Yeah, there are a ton of guys out there that are available, and 
the, the big to me the big question mark in terms of the money that's going to be available is is this the year that they make a move on Nolan Arenado for the long term three hundred million that everyone is expecting he's probably going to get it should be it should, should be. be calling him every week just Ab- in case absolutely and I don't think there's any question to that they're in the last year of arbitration with both Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMahieu and that is to me a very very big looming question mark with this roster uh, you know the outfield seems to be relatively set as crazy as that sounds without Carlos Gonzalez obviously the way his situation is going to play out is going to be very very unique um, in that you know the Rockies may or may not go all in on cargo as some other teams might but does the comfort level for cargo in being in Colorado being with Gerardo Parra his best friend let's not forget um, returning and and knowing that this team is building something and has been building something for a long time um, they have intriguing we'll call them intriguing options in David Dahl and Rymel Tapia behind them Dahl obviously has to prove that he can stay healthy it seems like anytime a, a year ends in an odd number David Dahl can't see it through to the end of the season uh, but they have a lot of confidence in Dahl based on what they saw in 2016 assuming he can get healthy Bud Black spoke at length about that uh, you know at the first base situation you know obviously their goal when they signed Ian Desmond last offseason was that he was going to step in at first base, but with Dahl being injured, that forced him back into that outfield role, and they got a surprising year out of Mark Reynolds. Uh, somebody is going to pay Mark Reynolds big money. It's probably not going to be the Rockies this year. And so, does Desmond slide into that first base slot? Uh, they spoke a little bit uh, on Monday, uh, Bud Black did, about Ryan McMahon. You got the sense that he's really not ready yet to slide up um he hit 355 combined last year between double and triple a so those numbers are really juicy and really tempting uh but in his limited appearances in colorado i think he hit you know with the big club hit less than a buck 50 so you know they're not quite sold on him coming up yet they'd love to see desmond slide into that first base slot where they originally had intended him but doll's health cargo's return as well as whether or not they view rymel tapia as a guy who can be in the lineup you know 130 plus games that's really going to dictate the kind of money that they have to spend on the back end of that bullpen additionally um, so there's a lot of moving parts to this uh, the great news is that they're very well set in the starting rotation now they're still young let's let's not forget but that they're also cheap because but they're young. exactly exactly and you have a guy like Bettis uh, that will be back for a full season knock on wood that everything uh, stays in the clear for him in his cancer recovery uh, obviously John Gray missed half of the season last year so you're looking at that uh, you mentioned Herman Marquez as a potential bullpen option and from what I saw late in the season, boy, is it just so hard to try and move him I, I don't out know. of that I don't rotation know if you could because do it. you know he 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 reminds me a lot of Juan Nicasio. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. I, I think that he was one of the few stabilizing forces down the stretch. Uh, you know, Sensatella was so good early, and then Freeland had a, a big month, and then. Hoffman came in and had a big month. Um, would you love to see Tyler Anderson bounce back and, and have a year in his third year in the league that mimics his rookie season or what we saw in that second half of his rookie season? Uh, boy, you would love to see that, but he's a little bit of a wild card too. So, uh, you know, the great news is they have tons of depth at the starting rotation. And so if somebody isn't performing as expected, they have other guys that they can slide in. Uh, but sh- finding that last final piece, I-, I think, is going to be the the, the big 
final move that that Jeff Breidich has to make, uh, especially with those big arbitration contracts, because you know they're going to be huge for both Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMahieu, as well as whether they're going to try and do something long-term with either of those players on top of what they're doing with Arnauto. There's a lot of money to be spent at Coors Field this coming season or two. Uh, Can they afford to sink too, too much money into a closer position? Well, the Rockies have indicated that they want the payroll to sit about where it was this year. Now, granted, a lot of money will roll off if Carlos Gonzalez leaves if they don't bring back Greg Holland. I mean, there's some money that, that rolls off. But at the same time, you brought up Blackman and LeMahieu. You get Blackman's salary at $7.3 million at arbitration. Probably jumps to fifteen, sixteen, and that may be conservative. Yeah, that... <laughs> so uh, you, now you're looking at a $9 million jump there. DJ LeMahieu at 4.8 probably jumps to 9 or 10. Oh, at least. So there you go. So you're talking about... Uh, Maybe let's let's be just rounded off fifteen million dollars. You're gonna have to add just to retain Blackman and and Lemayhew, so that that's a challenge there. And I I guess with the Desmond thing, that that's one of the rare. I understand why they tried it. They tried to be aggressive. I think it was a rare misstep. Desmond, who had played all over the field in his career, hadn't played first. That was the position he hadn't played. And when they tried him a couple times, he was atrocious. <laughs> I I don't think Ian Desmond can play first. I think they are now stuck with Ian Desmond in left field. So now you have Blackman in center, Desmond in left, and some combination of Para or Dahl or Tapia. And now you have a logjam. That's going to be a, a curious thing to see where that goes for the Rockies because I just don't think Desmond can get the job there. Now, if you were to maybe move him back to second, if you wanted to trade DJ LeMahieu or something the Rockies fans don't want to hear, the possibility of trading Charlie Blackman, who was almost dealt for Tampa, uh, sorry, Toronto's Marcus Stroman prior to the season. That's another option. Blackman's value is even higher now than it was before. So maybe there are some missing pieces that can be moved around. Not that Rockies fans would enjoy it. But when you're building a team, the financial concerns are part of it. And it's also the fact that you can get guys to hit. The first base side, look over the past couple years. You had Mark Reynolds. Before that, you had Michael Kadire. For the last few years, the Rockies have decided that we can get stopgap guys, veteran guys who want a one-year deal to kind of reestablish their market value. One of those guys, curiously, could potentially be Carlos Gonzalez. Carlos Gonzalez has always been the guy that is rumored, can he play first base? And yet last year you saw the guy that they slotted into that on some rare occasions was Gerardo Parra. And he's the one that's the most interesting to me in the outfield because we saw huge, huge steps forward from Gerardo Parra last year. Uh, His walk numbers were way up, which is no one saw coming, really. His strikeout numbers were way down. Uh, Gerardo Parra quietly had uh, one of the best years of his career last year, so I don't know how you can keep him off of the field. Oh, you can't. No, so, he's he's got to basically be an everyday guy, and so now we have Dahl and Tapia. Well, Dahl especially has to... I mean, he's basically your crown jewel among your position players besides Brandon Rogers. The guy's close. And, and so if Dahl is the guy, you have to find a way to play him, but where? If Desmond can't do it, you... But do you really want Gerardo Parra to be your first baseman? Well, and that's the question is, do you want Gerardo Parra or do you want Ian Desmond? Because you have you mentioned before that you feel very strongly that Desmond is incapable I, I of playing the position. It. I wouldn't be shocked, though, to see them really put a heavy, heavy effort on Desmond this spring training in this offseason to get him up to speed at that position simply because of the amount of money that they're paying him saying – Ian, we need this. We know you can move back into the outfield if necessary. Where we need to see you is that role that we wanted you in, which is that first base role, and really making that concerted effort to get him there. And 
going with that stopgap option if absolutely necessary. Now, we know that, unfortunately, you know, finding a needle in a haystack like Mark Reynolds may not necessarily, you know, lightning might not strike twice. Mark not Reynolds to mix in, my in metaphors, the Rockies but- uniform overperformed in every way based on everything he's ever done in his career. Was basically a better hitter than he ever was, more selective than he ever was, a better fielder than he ever was. So you, you really can't expect to catch that lightning in the bottle. One of the players that's been discussed as a possibility is Jay Bruce out of, uh, out of Cincinnati. Jay Bruce has played a little bit of first base, not renowned at it, but played, and of course, a right fielder, and has a tremendous amount of thump. Because if there's one thing you can make the argument at, if you move away from Carlos Gonzalez, who had a bad year, your power is coming from Charlie Blackman, who is developing it sort of late in his career, but to presume he's going to duplicate that is probably unrealistic. And Nolan Arenado, you're now losing uh, power in in Ionetta because he's a, a hitter whose career numbers are roughly in the 230s, high mm-hmm. 230s. So offensively, there is a bit of a concern that the Rockies could lose a, a little bit of ground offensively, especially because Reynolds overperformed at such a high level. They can get it from Trevor Story, but he's not a high average guy. You, you do wonder if there needs to be another bat with power in this lineup to complete everything. The problem with Jay Bruce is he's an unrestricted free agent at this point. He's 31 years old heading into this season. And so and he's a perennial he's, 30 home run guy. Yeah. And, and, and so he's money. Yeah, exactly. He made $13 million last year with Cleveland, uh, 12 and a half the year before that with the Mets, 12 million. So, so he's going to be in that mid to high teens range. Cause you're going to see that number probably climb just a little bit, just given the success that he had in Cleveland and the success that, that team had on the whole. And so again, who are you going to pay becomes the question. Are you going to, you know, again, if we see Charlie Blackman's numbers climb up into those high teens, if we see DJ LeMayhew's uh, numbers move up into the 10 plus range, uh, again, you know, all of this to me starts leaning more and more towards we're going to ride out what we have with Nolan this year, which is a, a scary prospect to some, uh, but, you know, trying to strike a mega deal with Nolan for this year could be very difficult if you've got that many guys on your roster that are in the, you know, the double digit millions, the 10 plus range, uh, all making that kind of money. It's going to be very hard to get Nolan Arenado signed to a long term deal regardless because he's been so consistent. It isn't as he had up and down. He's consistently had up seasons. And so the odds are he's going to probably try to take that, unless it's a deal that blows him away, probably take it all the way to free agency and then just go to the open market and see if you know the Yankees and Red Sox want to fight over who wants to give him $300 million. But it, let me play devil's advocate. It's a nightmare scenario for Rockies fans. I know that. But we're looking over in the AL East where the Yankees added Mike Stanton. Uh, I suspect that the Red Sox are about to dramatically overpay for somebody because they need to match that arms race out there. But the word is the Baltimore Orioles may very well in the end be trading Manny Machado. Yes. Who basically is Nolan Arenado of the AL. Yes. And in age, in ability, just everything. And, and they're doing it because they understand the money that's going to be required. They may not be able to do it. They know they're in a division with big spending teams. Well, the Rockies have the Dodgers and the Giants who are willing now to really open up the, the piggy bank to try to get better. Is there a scenario where you could imagine that maybe the best situation for the Rockies is getting an ungodly haul for Nolan Arenado while he still has multiple years under contract? Well, the interesting thing about Machado that that I've seen of late coming out of winter meetings is that he is desiring a move back to shortstop. Uh, And so there's, you know, there's an option there for for a couple of different teams to, to make a play on him. You're right that 
could be a big, big play for the Colorado Rockies. Um, yes, you're right. It would be a massive haul for Nolan Arenado. I don't know that they can handle the backlash from fans if they make that move. Uh, I think so much of it will depend on what ends up happening this season. And it's the communication that happens between the agent. We don't, we're not privy to those conversations. The, the, the catch is if Arenado is bent on getting a Mike Trout level contract, which which he may very well be able to justify in another year. Absolutely. So that that Rockies may just say, look, we can't pay a four hundred million dollar contract. We just can't. That that's beyond what we can do. That would actually be a bad decision if you want to keep an entire team together. That this may have to be the choice. And if that's the case, you you maybe want to pull that band-aid off sooner rather than later. You saw David Price when David Price was moved to Detroit from Tampa. And they did that with two years left on his contract because they wanted to maximize the return for David Price. When Detroit decided they wanted to move on, they waited. And then they didn't have a lot of leverage because now you're dealing with a guy that's not going to be under contract for very long. And they didn't get as good a return back. So for the Rockies, this is an unfortunate thing they probably have to consider in the back of their minds on what happens if these discussions aren't going where we want them to go. Do they believe they can bridge the gap over the next 12 to 18 months? Or do they realize that this guy is going to make just far too much money that we can realistically ever do it? Well, I think you'll, you will get indications of how that will play out based on what happens with Charlie Blackman this offseason. Uh, the, the deal that he's offered by the Rockies will tell a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because... Charlie Blackman is essentially one year ahead of Nolan Arenado on schedule. Uh, Nolan, after 2018, has one remaining year of arbitration. Obviously, they would not want to enter into an arbitration uh, situation with Nolan in 2019, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's outside of the realm. But like you said, uh, that value is is probably not going to be much, much higher than it will be. I mean, we're, we're presuming right that he... Yeah, right now. We're, we're presuming that he'll have another huge year next year, another big year, a consistent year. I mean, really, when you say huge year for Nolan Arenado, you just mean a year for Nolan Arenado right. at this point. They've all been about the um, same. You know, but but Charlie Blackman is right now where Nolan Arenado will be at this time next year. And so I think we'll get a pretty big indicator as to what their hand is going to look like based on what they do with Charlie Blackman. Uh, you know, that being said, you know, obviously Nolan is several years younger. Uh, Charlie Blackman coming up much later in, in this process, having, uh, you know, gone through the college experience, whereas Nolan came straight out of high school. But it, that, to me, is going to be the big indicator. Uh, if, if they make a move, like you said, to, maybe they do make a trade with for Charlie Blackman. Okay, now we're going to start socking away money and really put everything that we've got into... Nolan, if it's nope, we're going to go to we're going to go to arbitration with Charlie. We're going to see how this plays out uh, and see if we can't go out and, you know, steal a division title and and make a, another run into the playoffs here in, in 2018 and cash out. It might it might be a situation like that. I know Rockies fans don't want to hear that, uh, but that's kind of the situation that it's look like looking like we're heading towards. You know, they've said, you know, for for the last three, four years that 2018 is their year. Uh, you know, they got a little bit of an advance on that uh, in 2017, uh, thanks to some surprising performances by those rookies, that strong bullpen that we talked about and Bud Black just being. Bud Black. Uh, but really, 2018 is the year that they're pushing their chips to the center of the table. The hot stove is heating up. It is that time of year. The Rockies have already uh, broken the seal, if you will, adding Brian Shaw and then retaining Jake McGee. There will be more moves to come. Who knows? It might even be later today when the uh, everything starts spinning. The logjam of, of Stanton getting moved to kind of freed up everything, and now teams are spending money fast and furious. So we'll keep you up to date with all of those Rockies moves as we get closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. It's just 60-odd days away. Thank goodness. Not that it's snowing in Colorado because it's still 70 degrees in December, but that has me thinking more about baseball than anything. So thank you, Casey, for joining us again, as he often does. You can follow him on Twitter at Light on His Feet. 
which is a much more clever Twitter name than mine. Mine is just S Drotar, S D R O T A R. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsors at Tap 14. Again, go check them out. Just because it's the winter doesn't mean it's not a great place for you to go. The views are always tremendous and it's still warm. They have it all roofed in. It's perfect. Check them out at tap14.com. Spell that out tap14.com. For Casey, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening to Mile High Sports. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.